0: God, thank you for this time we can come together into your presence. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are present amongst us. Lord, uh, we thank you for Brandon. Lord, thank you for him uh, serving this church well. Lord, thank you for his zeal for you. God, we pray that you would uh, speak through him this morning. Pray that you would prepare our hearts for your word. God, pray that every word that he utters would uh, come out of uh, your thoughts and your mouth. And Lord, uh, we just give you all the praise and glory. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Recently, my best friend Kenny invited me over to his house uh, to help him put up some trim in his garage. So I showed up and he had everything that we needed. He had the trim and he had a measuring tape and he had a nail gun. And he also had a miter saw. What he didn't have is a safety guard for the miter saw. Now, I own a miter saw, so I'm pretty comfortable with them, and I, I was looking at this thing, and I knew it was dangerous. But I said to myself, I'm like, I've got this. I can just be careful. I'll just be extra careful when I'm using it. I'll be fine. And so, to kind of make a long story short, Kenny's project of finishing his garage turned into a trip to the emergency room and Six staples later. I'm sitting at lunch with Kenny and he says to me he goes Brandon if you didn't want to help you should have just said so (laughs) Now what I've learned from this is that manufacturers put safety guards on miter saws for very good reasons but but sometimes we think we know better, right? We think we know how to protect ourselves. We don't need anyone looking out for us. And our our spiritual lives are kind of the same way. Because see the God has given us the church for our protection. And yet like Isaiah said, we all like sheep have gone astray. It's described in Scripture as a a shepherd keeping watch uh, over his flock. But we want to go our own way. We don't want anyone in our business. We don't want anyone who's telling us what we can or can't do. We don't want anyone to ever tell us no. And all too often, we believe the enemy's lie that we don't need to be protected, that we don't need protection, and that even if we did, we would do an okay job of protecting ourselves. Sometimes, for many of us, we also believe this other lie that we need to be protected from the shepherds. We believe things like, the church is only after my money. The, the church is, is just going to judge me. The church is just going to pour out shame and condemnation over my head. And so we want to put distance there. And for some of us, maybe it's as simple as this. We believe the lie that if the church really knew who we were, if they knew who we really were inside, that they would reject us. Now you're all here today, and so I think to some degree you're kind of okay with this idea of the church. But to to some degree, even today, as we walked in the doors, right, and, and this week when we go into missional communities, we go into people's homes, and, and later on when D Group starts and we walk into a Chick-fil-A, because that's where discipleship happens, to some degree when we walk through those doors we put on a disguise we don't let people see the real us and from behind that mask when somebody says to us how are you doing we just say the f-word fine i'm fine i'm doing fine you don't need to worry about me i'm fine i'm going to be just fine all i need is jesus and pumpkin spice latte the truth is that things are not fine right the effects of our sin and the sin of others around us is wreaking havoc in our lives and in the lives of those that we care the most about we all face challenges and disappointments and struggles and broken relationships in fact The very best of us, the very best Christian that there could be will still deal with sin every single day and need to repent and bring it before Jesus to find healing. And that's why Christ established the church as a place of healing. Jesus said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. He's calling us out from behind our masks of this uh, false righteousness. You know, Abigail Van Buren, otherwise known as Dear Abby, she was, she was once asked by someone how they could kind of get their life together enough to be able to go back to church because they, they missed going to church. And, and her response to them was, just go to church because church is it's not a museum for saints, but it's a hospital for sinners. The church is a place of refuge, right? Not the building. We don't even have a building as a church, right? The church is a place of refuge, the people of the church. But because people are people, we need Oversight. We need someone trusted to watch over us. And so that that brings me to the big idea for this morning, which is this, the safest place for sheep is in the care of shepherds. Paul understood this, and where we are in our text this morning, uh, we've been following his progress for the past several weeks as we journey through the book of Acts. And we've gotten to this point in the story where Jesus has come to Jerusalem. No, Jesus has… Jesus isn't even in this story. All right, hold on. <laughs> Jesus is all over this story. Don't, don't believe that for a minute. We've come to a place in the story where Paul is on his way to Jerusalem and he has stopped in a place called Miletus, and he's going to take a ship further on his journey. And so, nearby, a few days away, just a couple days' walk, is Ephesus. And Paul has sent for the elders of Ephesus to come and be with him, and they come. Of course they come, because this is Timothy. This is his dear friend Timothy, and, and these are other church leaders where Paul has spent three years in their midst teaching them and loving them and ministering alongside of them. But this is, uh, it's not just a joyous reunion. Paul tells them that they will never again see his face. He knows, he's been told by the Holy Spirit that he's going to face trials and persecution when he gets to Jerusalem. But before he left, he wanted to give them some parting words of wisdom, some words of how can I be a better leader of the church in Ephesus? This is what he tells them in Acts 20, verses 28 through 31. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. is using a shepherding metaphor here to talk about leadership of the church, to encourage these church leaders how they can best protect the flock that they care for. Why does he do this? Well, first, because Jesus is the model. Jesus called himself the good shepherd in John 10. He said, I am the good shepherd. but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. You see, Paul wants these leaders to take ownership of their flock. They're not merely hired hands who put their own safety and interests ahead of their people. These are true shepherds who will be alert to watch for and ultimately deal with all of the wolves that will arise in their midst. Paul knows that the safest place for sheep is in the care of shepherds. And so he tells them to be like the good shepherd. And another reason Paul used a shepherding metaphor is because that's the way it has always been. God has always wanted His people to be in the care of shepherds, consider Moses. In Exodus 3, we see that Moses, who grew up in the house of Pharaoh, has become a shepherd, tending the flock of his father-in-law. That's when he encounters the burning bush. That's when God calls him to become the leader of God's people. And then when it came time for God To appoint a king over Israel, who did he choose? He chose David, the smallest son, who was tending to the sheep. In Psalm 78, verses 70 through 72, it says, He chose David his servant. He took him from the sheepfold, from following the nursing ewes. He brought him to shepherd Jacob his people, Israel, his inheritance, With upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hand. God has decreed that the safest place for sheep is in the care of shepherds. But what is it about shepherds or shepherding that God just loves so much? What are, what are those skills of shepherding that translate so well to pastoring God's people? Well, let's look at the mark of the shepherd that we see in Paul's final words to those leaders at Ephesus. The first one is that shepherds are known to their sheep. Acts 20 verses 18 through 19, it says, when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you. The whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility, and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. And then later in 34, he says, you yourselves know these hands and how they ministered to others. And there's this echo of the good shepherd's words. There's this echo of Jesus' words that says, I know my own and my own know me. Now, I used to work for an international corporation. I was what you would call a cubicle dweller. And I was on the second floor. I had a cube and there were a hundred other cubes. But on the fourth floor, there were no cubes. On the fourth floor, there were offices. And these offices were uh, all paneled in wood. And we all referred to it as mahogany row. And you, and you couldn't just go to Mahogany Row, you had to be summoned to Mahogany Row. And if you were summoned to Mahogany Row, it was almost certainly not good. But back in the cube farm, I sat right next to my immediate supervisor, Lou. And Lou and I were pretty close because we couldn't help it. We could overhear everything. I heard her personal phone calls, and she heard my personal phone calls, and we both supported each other when angry claimants called and yelled at us, and she helped me correct mistakes. She taught me to stop mispronouncing the word cumulative, and she encouraged me to practically memorize the California Labor Code, which I, which I did, and I became this great resource to the whole company, and I did better in my career because... We were so close, and when my first daughter came along, she was at the baby shower, and we went to each other's birthday parties, and she forgave me. She forgave me when I talked her into investing in a pyramid scheme that ended with a police raid. (laughs) And years later, when I left the company, she wrote me a glowing letter of recommendation. But one day I was summoned to Mahogany Row, and and someone had made an allegation about me that was not true. And the problem was nobody on Mahogany Row, none of those bosses, none of those people knew who I was. None of them knew whether or not I was the kind of person who would do such a thing. But Lou knew. Lou went to them and she said, I know Brandon. I know him so well that I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that he did not do this. And that's what saved me. Paul was not a mahogany row kind of leader. He was not merely a hired hand, but he was a true shepherd. His people knew His hands because they had seen them working alongside of them, because they had felt them when He would embrace them, because they had seen the benefit of them as He ministered to them. He knew His people, and His people knew Him. But here's the thing. When Paul arrived in Ephesus, he did not try to protect himself. He never used the F word. He didn't pretend everything was fine when it wasn't. His people saw his tears, and they knew firsthand how he struggled with the trials that faced him. And yes, he ministered to them, training up Timothy and others, and teaching them the mysteries of the gospel, and correcting their doctrinal errors when they arose. But he also let them minister to him when the sorrows of life left him in tears. He did not draw away from them. He was in their homes, not only because he wanted to get to know them better, but because he desperately needed to be known himself. He knew that the safest place for sheep is in the care of shepherds who know them. Another mark of a shepherd is that shepherds are courageous. In verse 20, Paul says, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. And in verse 24, he said, But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And in verse 27, he says, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. And again, we hear this echo of the good shepherd, of Jesus' words where he says, I lay down my life of my own accord. You see, shepherds are courageous. In 1 Samuel 17, when David comes to Saul and he's like, I'll fight that giant. And everyone kind of laughs at him because he's a little guy. What he uses as his justification, as his defense is like, hey, I'm a shepherd. When a wolf or a bear takes a sheep from my flock, I go and I take it back out of his mouth. And if they dare to rise up against me, I grab them by the beard And I pull them down and I kill them. And that's what I'll do to Goliath because he defied the people of the Lord. See, shepherds are brave. And they don't back down when things get messy or when they get difficult or when it's awkward. I think Paul knew what it was like for things to get messy. He knew what it was like to take a stand for something that was really not very popular. Everywhere he went proclaiming the gospel, trials and challenges were made against him by the Jews and the Romans. Lies were spread about him. They said that he was trying to raise an army so that he could overthrow Caesar. His freedom and even his very life was in danger and this was especially true in the city of Ephesus because in Ephesus they had this huge amount of worship at the temple of Artemis. And there, were all, there was this whole industry that we learned about a couple weeks ago where there was just divination and, and people who practiced magic. And these, these people found the gospel to be offensive. It threatened their very way of life. Kind of seems that way today too sometimes and just like today the the temptation to water down the message to sugarcoat the gospel or to try and change it somehow so it's more palatable to the masses that must have been a great temptation for Paul or to defend himself against the lies the fake news of his day it must have been a great desire to stand up for himself, to defend himself. But he did not shrink from declaring the truth of the gospel. He did not hold anything back. He was courageous. And this is the role of the shepherd in the life of the church, to always speak the whole truth to the sheep. Whether it's speaking truth in the face of the wolves who rise up with their twisted and perverted take on God's Word. Or if it's lovingly confronting an individual about their need for a Savior. Their need to face their sin. The elders are charged with not shrinking away just because it's difficult or messy or awkward. And I know that for some of us, this idea... Of being truly known by a shepherd or a church leader or really being known by anyone is kind of terrifying. That the church would get all mixed up in our personal business? That's frightening. Others, we don't want our beliefs to be challenged, and and some of us, we don't want our behavior to be questioned. We don't want to endure any awkwardness or embarrassment. And, and honestly, for most of us, it's not that we're opposed to God's truth or His call for us to be holy, but it's simply that we would prefer to handle it ourselves, just us and God, neat and tidy. But the reality is that the safest place for the sheep is in the care Of shepherds. Now remember, we're not talking about hired hands who care nothing about the sheep. We're talking about true shepherds. Paul reminds the Ephesian elders of the need to be pastoral, not dictatorial. He taught truth and he corrected error, but he did it with compassion. Acts 20, verses 31 says, Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease, night or day, to admonish everyone with tears. With heartfelt emotion, Paul entered in. When Paul was explaining to Titus what the qualifications of elders should be, he said that they Uh, must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also rebuke those who contradict it. Now, the first time I heard this verse, it brought to my mind this image of kind of a stern father who's all about the rules and is all about discipline, is all about making sure you do the right thing. And when I was called to become an elder, I paused at this verse and I said, I I don't know if that's me. But when I got into the original language of this verse, I saw something really beautiful. Because the word that is translated as give instruction, that word is parakaleia. And for those of you who don't know, that is the same word. The root of that word is the same place where we get the word that means Holy Spirit. It means comforter. It means helper. And the word that's translated as sound in sound doctrine, that word is hygieno. It's where we get the word hygiene. It means healthy. And that word for doctrine, doctrine, which sounds so so stern these days, that word just means teaching. And so what Paul taught and what Paul demonstrated through his own life is that a shepherd should not be like a stern father, but should be like a loving father who puts his arm around someone in a comforting way and guides them to a healthier understanding of God's truth. The safest place for sheep is in the courageous pastoral care of shepherds who know them. And when we're known and when we have courageous leaders who are willing to speak truth to us, we will always, always encounter the gospel. Shepherds are gospel centered. Acts 20 21 says that Paul was testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith. In our Lord Jesus Christ and that echo of the Good Shepherd is I have other sheep that are not of this fold I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice so there will be one flock one shepherd one flock one shepherd Paul knew his people and they knew him And and He was courageously declaring to them all that was profitable. But ultimately, He was moving them towards the mission to demonstrate and proclaim the gospel of grace to one another and to every nation. You see, they needed to be reminded that they couldn't do it on their own. That they're sinners who need the saving grace that only Jesus brings, and and they needed to bring that message to others. But But I think sometimes we want to avoid the mission because it feels safer to stay at home. We just want to stay in the comfort and safety of the herd. But the shepherd is moving us to new pastures, and he's gathering different kinds of sheep amongst us and if we don't stay with him if we don't stay on mission we suddenly look around and realize that we're all by ourselves we're on our own with no cover of protection except this false security of self-protection it feels safer to hang back where we don't have to put ourselves out there But it's not. The truth is that the safest place for sheep is in the care of shepherds. And there's no safer place than being on mission with God and His people. That's right where God wants you. But to be on mission, we have to be of the fold. If we're not of the fold, what is it that we're calling people to? And so that's my question to you this morning. Are you of the fold? You're here this morning, you're, you're at church, but are you of the fold? Are you truly one of the herd? Or is there a distance between you and the shepherds, between you and the other sheep, or between you and the good shepherd? The church is the revealed will of God for his followers. For better or worse, the church, the flock of God's people, is the place where we're to find spiritual care and spiritual nurturing and spiritual purpose and where we take refuge from the enemy and the world. And He's called certain men and women to care for His people. And He's called all of us to love and care for one another. And He has ordained certain men as shepherds to keep watch over his flock. So are you really a part of the fold? Or are you kind of lone wolfing it? Are you allowing yourself to be truly known? Or do you put distance between yourself and others saying they don't need to know my business? Or are you engaging with those men and women who are putting themselves out there, who want to be a part of your life? Or do you keep at a distance saying, they would reject me if they really knew me? Are you finding the courage to invite people into the mess that you find yourself in? Or do you keep others at a distance saying, I don't want to burden them with my problems? Or maybe the distance is not so much between you and the church, but between you and God. You know, before we can ever trust who He appoints over the flock, we have to trust Him. We must first believe in Jesus. We, we have to believe that He is good. We have to believe that He lived a sinless life that we could not live for ourselves. And we have to believe that He died on a cross for our sins and paid the price that we could never pay. If you're there today, I'd, I'd challenge you to really think about closing that distance between you and your Savior. And I'd love to talk to you about that later if, if that's where you are. You know, as Paul leaves for Jerusalem, something really beautiful happens. Acts 20, 36-38. When he had said these things, he knelt down and he prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. This word embraced, it doesn't mean just like they gave him a hug. It wasn't like one of those side hugs. The, the word is they threw themselves on him. They took him. They grabbed a hold of him. These were grown men like dogpiling Paul, holding on to him, grasping him, not letting him get away as if to say, I'm not going to let you go. They were not holding back. There was no safe distance between them. These were men who were embracing their shepherd. You see, the prophet Isaiah says that we're all like sheep gone astray. And the good shepherd tells us, I'll leave the flock to go after you when you wander. But ultimately, it's up to us to be a part of the fold. We have to decide to be all in. Our elders are called to be known and to be courageous and to be all about the gospel. I would love to shepherd people the way that Paul does. And I would love to be shepherded by someone like Paul. But if I want that, I have to make that choice. I have to take a step of faith to believe that what God says is true. To believe that God's plan for me is what's best for me. To trust that the safest place for me as a sheep is in the care of shepherds. So I'll leave you with this parting thought. This idea of self-protection, it's really kind of destructive. When we try to protect ourselves, we say, I've got this. I don't need anyone else. I don't need the church. When we pretend that things are fine when things are not fine, this is arrogance. This isn't humility. This isn't not imposing myself on others. It's, it's arrogance. We're essentially saying, I know better than the Good Shepherd. Now, the Bible is full of these verses that are called the one another's. And, and when we hear these verses, we often think like, oh, here's a list of things that I have to do for others. But it's also a list of things that we have to let others do for us. We need to let others help us bear our burdens. We need to let others serve us in love. We need to let others forgive us when we make mistakes. We need to accept the hospitality of others. You think it'd be easy, right? to let people bless you? You think it would be easy to let people be a part of our lives because they want to be helpful? But it's not easy. We know God's plan. We know that we need to open ourselves up to the care of others. But we think we know better. Church, don't believe the lie that it's safer to wander off on your own. The safest place for the sheep is in the care of shepherds. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning, I I thank You that You're the Good Shepherd. Lord, I, I confess my sin of wanting to do things on my own, of wanting to keep things to myself, of wanting to think that I'm strong enough or smart enough or careful enough that I can keep myself out of trouble and Lord I I also confess that I've allowed my notion that it's just you and I against the world to become a substitute for what your word teaches which is that it's your church and you going into the world Lord, would You help all of us this week to consider whether or not we're of the fold? Lord, would You give us the courage that it takes to be truly known? Lord, would You be with us when our leaders, when the shepherds You appoint over us make mistakes and let us down? Would You, would you somehow Bring reconciliation in those moments so that we can continue to be a church together. Lord, could you help us to reach out to those around us, not only to help them, but to let them serve us? Because we're all a part of your flock, Lord. And you are the good shepherd. And we know your voice. And you know our voices. And we love you so very much. And we pray this in the name of the good shepherd, Jesus. Amen.